Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Welcome to the Jenna Ellis Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Precious Metals is the company that I trust to give you good and patient counsel for investing in your retirement. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed. And when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And when and we are already seeing record inflation. That's the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So gold is one of the very best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com where you can download the free investor's guide. You can also go to my Facebook page, Jenna Ellis. I am a public figure on Facebook, and I just posted yesterday a really great interview with the president of Legacy Precious Metals, who is discussing why you need to start your retirement account, even if you're in your 20s or 30s. There is always a great time to protect your retirement and invest just like you want to protect your health over the long term. So go to Legacy Precious Metals at LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-528-1903. Sergeant John Madley is going to be with us here in just a hot moment. Yep, you're listening to the Jenna Ellis uh, podcast here. No, I am not Jenna Ellis. I don't have the Jewish prudence background, nor am I as beautiful as Jenna Ellis is. However, I am Aubrey Shines, and you can always find me, of course, on a multiplicity of platforms. Just go out to Aubrey's America. You'll find me. I'm going to be interviewing here in just a moment. Sergeant John Manley has a phenomenal top-selling book already, 12 Seconds in the Dark. He is the officer that was accused by the left of being some sort of racial racist bigot uh, that, quote, gunned down this little poor black lady in a bed uh, when they were legally making a arrest and there was a warrant that was out. You do not want to miss it. It is going to be fantastic. Let's go right into it. Well, another day at the Jenna Ellis Show. Of course, Jenna's out right now, and uh, we are hoping that she is having a great time, hopefully getting a little R&R and preparing for all of the great things that life actually gives her. 
I am not Jenna Ellis. Nope, not that, not that beautiful and don't have the constitutional uh, background. Do not have a degree in the jurisprudence area. Actually, I used to desire to have that. At one point, I used to call myself the next Thorogood Marshal. Uh, I believe God kind of intervened there and had a whole different plan for me. Uh, but Jenna's going to be out, and uh, we already miss her tremendously. What a great job she does. Most of you may not know, and some obviously have already figured out. Jenna and I did several shows together uh, during her tenure at uh, Real America's Voice. Also, I was uh, with her on a few panels there at Liberty University. Uh, we dealt with various issues that obviously pertain to the integrity of this culture that we're living in. And I'm honored today that we were able to actually ascertain, I think, a great man. I love our, not just our military I love our men and women that put on that uniform every single day to protect the lives of all of us. I do not apologize that I am a huge, huge, huge military and man in blue fan and friend alike. And when I was familiar with this case, uh, going back to its inception, I have a lot of friends that are police officers, and I just begin to ask, hey, Are some of the things that we're hearing, is this proper protocol? I hoped I was asking all the right questions. They assured me that I was asking all of the pertinent questions. And then I begin to realize once again, here we are in this great country. We're at it again, playing politics with the men and women that are serving us. I kept up with this case because I thought it was fascinating, not because of the ethnic diversity, But I kept up with it because I know that there is an onslaught for so many in our community to badger the men and women that are here to actually protect us. And I knew, looking at some of the records that some of these individuals had, uh, their nefarious lifestyles in which they found themselves in, that there was a whole lot to the story. And I'll go a little further. The moment I see individuals like Oprah Winfrey and LeBron James and others kind of ranting, Uh, What I find interesting, while they ran on our officers, uh, these are individuals that if you ever even get close to them, they have bodyguards you think that you're trying to get in Fort Knox somewhere. I always found that to be a bit duplicitous. Uh, But I'll digress and simply say, when I look at our individuals that are serving us on a constant basis, uh, I always love hearing their side of the story. Uh, This sergeant uh, is no stranger, I want to say, unfortunately, to this. I cannot even imagine all that he and his family had to endure. We're going to dive right into it. I have the great Sergeant John Madley. He's here uh, with us. Sergeant, so glad that you joined us. By the way, how are you and your family doing right now? I'll tell you what, Aubrey, you know, for all we've been through, we're we're very blessed. We're very very grateful for all the things that, that God's done for us. So there's no complaints here. I like it, man. Well, you, we were certainly praying for you down here in Tampa uh, the church that I happen to be uh, senior over, uh, we were praying for you. I had leaders praying for you, praying for your family, because uh, anytime there's slander, anytime uh, there are individuals that are in high profile, that they just kind of dominate our, our media landscape, and they, they want to just kind of ding all our friends that I say that are friends uh, that serve and protect our communities, I just think that you guys need a voice. This is why I'm really appreciative for Jenna Ellis' show, of course. I have my own platform uh, on Real America's Voice there. I'm 
right between uh, Frank Gaffney and Steve Bannon every single Saturday. And I look forward also to bringing uh, you, John, uh, onto that platform as well. But you have a book out, and I yeah. want you to just share with everyone uh, this book, what it means. And as a matter of fact, I don't want to steal your thunder, uh, but your book is already on the top of the charts already. John, talk to us about it. Well, I think it's on the top of the charts because people want, they're hungry for the truth. They're tired of being lied to. They're tired of all the, the false propaganda that goes out by, by the media and by our politicians. And 12 Seconds in the Dark, and, and let me give a shout out to Daily Wire. I appreciate them um, being willing to pick up the book and, and having the courage when, when other people didn't. And uh, they were scared to step out in the water, and Daily Wire stepped up and said, hey, we'll do it. And so I really appreciate that, appreciate Ben and them over there. But, yeah, 12 Seconds in the Dark just speaks about the, the, a little bit of the life of me prior to law enforcement and the faith and the way I was brought up. And that, that kind of led the journey for me down that path and what made me want to help other people, be a servant. And then it brings me up to date on March 13th, 2020, in that tragic situation with Breonna Taylor uh, that nobody wanted to see happen. And we feel for her family. We feel for the community. Um, but then the lies that were perpetrated after that are the things that set into motion so many things, including uh, destroying our city and other cities that people latched onto this about. And that was just a sad thing to see. And I want to expose some of those, those things and those truths so people know they were lied to and they can see what the politicians did or didn't do. And that's what led us down the path that we're at today. And my biggest fear, my biggest fear going forward, my, my purpose in life now is to reach out to these officers that are still holding that line and standing in that gap and I want to be there for them. If they're in my type situation, I want to give them some guidance. I want to give them some resources that they can go to, people they can reach out to, because there's none of that out there right now for people directing them. There's organizations that help, but it's hard to find them if you don't know what you're looking for. And so that's the goal from here on out is to, to continue to help people. No, I, <clears throat> I love the, the servant heart uh, that you have in this matter. And, and let me tell you why, uh, Sergeant. A lot of individuals, when they've been falsely accused of something, slander has been obviously part of that equation. Uh, you've been painted uh, by those that are in the media that you're some kind of bigot or you're some kind of racist or something. There are not, unfortunately, tons of areas that you can go in and find your own salvation, your own refuge. And often, and, and I know this because I'm trained to help, Often what I find is that when people have experienced something like what you and your family have experienced, unfortunately, they kind of become recluse. They don't want to even talk about it. They, they just kind of feel, look, I just want to get away from all this. I don't want to deal with this. You guys don't know what it's like. And then you become part of what I call on the bottom of the newspaper page. You're blimp. You're gone. But nobody takes into account, not just that day, but every day that our officers go out here and fight to defend us. And again, it's not like you guys are making a million dollars a year to go out there and do that. Every time you guys put on your uniform, that family can only pray and hope and believe that my husband or my wife is going to return back to us the way he or she left us and left the kids. Maybe that would have been the last kiss. And then to, to watch individuals that have such power as it relates to media outlets just kind of besmirch you to the degree that they paint you as this vile bigot, you're a nefarious 
moronic minded, I, I don't know, and every racial epithet that they can find, they paint you with it. I love the fact, Sergeant, that you're going back out and say, you know what, not only did this not beat me, I'm going to now become a conduit to make sure that others that do the same thing that I'm doing, that there is hope, there is refuge here. Uh, kind of get into the book a little bit. I don't want to, for it obviously to be a spoiler, because I want everyone to go out and we're going to make sure that we're plastering your book everywhere, because I do believe right. everyone uh, should read your work. Give us a highlight of what the book is really about here. All right, so we, I go into detail on the night of, of March 12th leading into March 13th, which happened to be a, a Friday and a full moon, and, and it was raining, and I had, came out and had a couple of flats on my car before we went to the, to the location. So everything was just kind of lining up to be one of those, those nights that, you know, you just don't really want to have. And once we got there, you know, we, we knocked on the door, we announced, and this was for an extended period. Generally, uh, we did have it signed as a no-knock, but because of the elements of the, of the case, we abided by the guidelines of the courts, and we abandoned the no-knock and went to the knock-and-announce because it was the right thing to do. And so we knocked and announced on this door for uh, 45 seconds to a minute. Got no response. So we had to breach the door because at some point you've got to move. You can't just stand out there all night hoping, begging, pleading for somebody to come in. You've got a job to do, so we had to do it. As soon as that door came open and swung to the left, as I stepped into the doorway, I was met down a long, dark hallway with two individuals, one taller, the other shorter. They were almost overlapping. I mean, it was like almost one person together with two different heads. And as soon as I made contact, eye contact with them, Kenneth Walker was there with an outstretched arm with a gun in his hand and pulled the trigger. I instantly felt the, the hit on my leg and the heat. I returned fire, and I got out of the way because I knew at that point I was kind of useless. Um, I reached down and felt my leg, and as soon as I did, there was a... a large amount of blood in my hand and I knew it wasn't just a leg a normal leg wound through and through um, you know we've had CPR for 20 years at this point so I knew it I knew it had hit a major artery and I knew my thought process was get out of this dangerous fatal funnel I'm in get to the parking lot and have someone put a tourniquet on me so once we did that and I knew the tourniquet was on I at least said okay well I'm gonna live but now let's get to the hospital to save this leg because you can only have it on for a certain amount of time so in the book, it goes into detail about some of the, the things that just went wrong on scene, how long it took EMS to get there, um, the, in, the lack of training or experience would be the better word, the lack of experience that these EMT guys had. They had a good heart, tried, but they just didn't really know what they were doing. And, and the Lord placed um, Pleasure Ridge Park Fire at that location. They showed up when they heard the call come out, and I thank God they did because two paramedics from there showed up. Uh, one of them is a friend of mine. And they popped on board and they got to work and, and really helped stabilize things. Uh, but the misconceptions are the main things I want to point out in the book. The fact that Brianna was asleep in her bed, that's not the case. She was in the hallway um, with Kenneth Walker. She may have been asleep when we first got there, but by giving them that amount of time to get ready, they got up, got their clothes on, he got his gun, and there they stood wait at the end of the hallway. And so that's a myth. The fact that well, we had well, the wait, wrong Wait, wait, Sergeant. <clears throat> I want to Go delve ahead. into that because... That was one of the biggest myths that was out there in the beginning. That yeah, you guys, there. just like some paratroopers, just kind of stormed in the building. You didn't knock. You didn't do the, 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 the warrant properly. And I, again, I'm talking to law enforcement. They're saying, 
no, actually, they did do it right. But again, our voices were not out there at that point, right. and that some kind of way they were gunned down in the bed. That's a, that, that was a lie, wasn't it? Yeah, furthest from the truth. Uh, had we gone in unannounced and just gone in, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be talking to me. You wouldn't know me because none of this would have taken place. Uh, they would have been caught by surprise, wouldn't have had time to get up, formulate a plan, be ready. And so, and that narrative still spun today, and that was spun by Ben Crump. And, you know, yesterday he got on TV still calling us murderers and, you know, and injustice was done. And, and he's never once brought out the fact that I was shot and almost died. And that happened before we returned fire. So I don't know what people expect of law enforcement. You know, we're out here 100,000 overdose deaths last year alone. And we're out here trying to get these drugs off the street to save lives. And the people that are peddling these things become the heroes somehow. Yeah. And that, that still just blows my mind because everything's backwards in society right now. Uh, know, but another myth. That, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask you about another myth because, again, and forgive me, Sergeant, for doing that. Uh, your story is, is intriguing. It, it just is. I, I, I know that this is going to be a fantastic read for everyone because, again, you've already just kind of come out and said, hey, people, I was actually shot before we even exchanged fire. So, again, that was the number one myth that you guys, again, like you just went in and just started blazing up the place. And here this poor girl was sleeping. You guys kind of gunned her down in her sleep. I heard that on every single outlet. But yet you're telling our audience right now, far from the truth, you were shot. Correct. And then the picture they constantly show is of of Brianna in a EMT outfit. And they say award-winning EMT. And I'm not disparaging Breonna Taylor. That's not the point here. But the facts are important. And the fact of the matter is, in 2017, she had been an EMT for five months. She was let go by the city. And she was put on the no rehire list. They won't give us the details for that because she's no longer an employee. But there's a reason you get put on a no rehire list in the city. So she hadn't been an EMT for three years at this point. And, but that's a constant circulation. They're saying we didn't have the right apartment. And her name was on the warrant. Her car was on the warrant. Her address was on the warrant. Um, all of Jamarcus Glover's materials, his driver's license, his car registration, his bail when he got out of jail just two months prior came back to that address. So everything, everything focused on that address. And people want to just dismiss all that like it, like it didn't happen. Vaccines have not eliminated the Chinese Fauci virus, so we all need extra protection for our immune systems. My friends at Centurion Labs have combined five key ingredients to defend your immune system against allergies, cold, the flu, and even the coronavirus. It's called Centurion Defender, and it incorporates vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, copper, and quercetin in just one capsule. No more swallowing 10 pills a day or not taking supplements because the individual cost is just too high. So take one Defender with breakfast and one with dinner and keep living. Your life, just like the Centurions of Rome, led by example and held themselves to the highest possible standards. Centurion Labs has dedicated the last 15 years to research and develop safe, effective, and affordable healthcare products made in the USA that you can trust. For a limited time, listeners of this show can save 20% off their first order of Centurion Defender. Visit centurionlabs.com forward slash Jenna and use the promo code J E N N A. 
Defend your health today with Centurion Defender. That's centurionlabs.com forward slash Jenna and the promo code Jenna. Centurion Labs, that's with an S, centurionlabs.com forward slash J-E-N-N-A. Jamarcus, Sergeant, no one talked really a lot about Jamarcus. It took them, and we did, by the way, we did the research on this. It took them almost a week for us to even know, even though because of who I know and various individuals that I know, I already had that info. But the media never reported this guy's, I mean, this guy had a serious rap sheet on him. Can you take a moment and just share with our audience the rap sheet that was on this, this, this guy, Jamarcus? Well, I know he had a rap sheet from Mississippi before he moved here. Um, and when he came here, I know with I know for a fact he had uh, five or six active felony cases in court going on for drugs and guns. Now, if you want to look at the real problem, everybody talks about police reform and all this stuff, and that's fine. If you're not growing, you're stagnant, so you've got to change with times. You've got to move. You've got to progress. But what we need to really focus on is the court system. Why are these guys constantly back out into society and they're just dredges on society causing problems and the police are constantly having to re-engage with them and react with them? And that's when these problems happen. Because if you look at most of the police shootings, they are with career criminals. They're with guys who should have been still in custody, but for whatever reason, the bail project or whoever wants to, you know, all these compassionate we can't keep these people locked up. Well, if you act like an animal, then you probably need to be locked up like an animal and kept out of society. And that's that's a huge failure. So Jamarcus had a huge rap sheet. He's been locked up since he's been let out on these charges. So it, it's just a cycle. He's not going to, because there's no teeth to the justice system, he knows that. So he's just going to keep doing what he does. You know what's sad to me, uh, Sergeant, it, it really is, is because and I, I say this because, again, I, I've done the studies here. I look at the rate of homicide that especially is in the black-brown community. 95% of the murders that are happening in black-brown communities and poor white communities technically, literally, are coming from the same ethnic group. Case in right. point, I went to high school, college in Chicago uh, a thousand years ago. It's a long time ago. <laughs> and 90 plus percent of all the murders that are happening there are from blacks against other blacks. I've also done the study there in your great state that a lot of the high crimes there in these predominantly drug infested areas are not police officers. These no. are not whites that are coming in doing this. This is blacks that are killing other blacks in that area. So when, when I hear the vitriol of the, those who espouse, again, these hateful, what I call painted arguments, and that's all they are because they're totally divorced of reality. It, 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 it's not puzzling to me because I get it. I get the bigger picture. I know what they're doing. I know why they do what they do. But my heart breaks in because, again, not that money should be the objective here, but the amount of money that you guys make to go into something so blindly to serve a warrant on someone who should never be out of jail in the first place, by the way, in my opinion, and studying the law, I just find it almost bizarre that you have had to live through this for a period of time. And I I want to just say this, not just to you, but 
to every American, regardless of what color you are. If we don't unite around our officers, whether they're black, white, or as green as Shrek, then we're going to lose our nation because there's a hidden agenda here to cause this, what I call a seed of divisiveness that is just ruining the fabric of this nation. And by the way, Sergeant, I'm not here to apologize for, quote, the things that have happened in the past in this country. Uh, this is the only nation that has not only overcome those things, and I hate when I hear things of that magnitude. We've not only overcome it, but the majority of whites in this nation actually put a black man in office two times. If every black, even those who were not even of age to vote, could vote, could vote for Barack, they still wouldn't have been able to put him in without the help of whites. So I, I don't buy the racial crap that I keep hearing over and over and over again. Because if that's the case, then blacks should only govern their community and whites should govern their community. And I think we've been over that for some decades here uh, in this country. I, I, I want to pause here for just a second because we're going to go into a second segment here. And I'm not going to pause you and I. I'm just going to make the mental note to do so. I want to switch gears here with you just a little bit because I look at this young lady and again, I get it. Every life is precious, but where Sergeant is the responsibility for someone like her that if you know that you're in this environment, at least my parents, my dad, when my dad was living, he always made us boys cognitive of the fact that if we hang around the wrong crowd and something happens, I can't blame someone for it. By the way, I lived in a day and time you wouldn't have known me had I done it because my father and mom had a way of making sure certain type of disciplines were a part of our narrative. And I I assure you and the rest that are viewing right now, uh, I've had my fair share, no thanks. But I look at this young lady, she lost her life because she's in the wrong environment. Has anyone ever apologized to you, some of those who accuse you of being a bigot and or racist because the person that lost their life was an opposite skin color? Has any of them apologized at all? No, and I'm still waiting for Oprah. Maybe she'll put 26 billboards of my book up, you know, since she did it for Brianna. I know her her magazine's defunct now, but, you know, no, there's been no apology, and I don't... with their arrogance and egos, I really don't expect it because those type people feel like, you know, they're superior and, and they do no wrong. Um, so I'm not I'm not going to take that check to the bank anytime soon. 